this computer. All right. So I think it, it, it right. Got my I think it is recording. Oh, it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, you have such bad posture. Yo, I'm I've got like I'm ghetto rigging this. I'm <laughs> behind me. <laughs> so the bigger question is who has not put a pillow behind them like that before? That's Especially true. on the couch. That's I wonder true. if like couches should be made different so that they arch in I, more. Huh? I know. Well, and to get like the proper camera angle, it's like I had to like move this whole thing forward. And then like because of my neck, I have to like uh -huh. prop myself up backwards. Yeah. You know? Does it hurt <laughs> if uh if you like move it in a particular way? Not really. It's like honestly, I'm at a point where it's like just the muscles just mm -hmm. feel like really super tight. Up. Yeah. Um, but like surprisingly, like I don't have any mobility issues or anything like that. What it uh that's uh I don't know. Whenever I think I have like a pinched nerve or something right here. And yeah. so whenever it flares up, then I it's hard for me to look in that direction. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm scary. hoping to just a pinched nerve though. Yeah, but it's like I'm concentrated so pain right aware there. Of that stuff. I know. Anytime somebody says something like that to me, I'm like, get an MRI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I think you have a little paranoid too for a second. Right. Yeah, because like I was having um, I think like now I be having like anxiety like while driving sometimes. And so yeah. then like my anxiety, I'll have it and it feels like I can't breathe, but I just have to burp. And so whenever I burp, <laughs> I'm breathing in, and the anxiety goes down. But at the, in the middle of it, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, why can't I breathe? Oh, that, that like, so when I, before I realized what was going on with everything, mm -hmm. like that was a, like driving in the car was a really big trigger for it. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't figure out why I thought I was having like wicked motion sickness problems and stuff like that, because like I would lose feeling in my hands and like my face would start getting like pins and needles. Yeah. And, like my breathing would literally, it was like, I couldn't inhale. And it was like, my heart would just like stop at moments. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd be like sitting there, like my mom was driving me around everywhere. Cause it was like, it was like my brain was having aneurysms and stuff yeah. and, like, and we couldn't figure out what it was so I finally go to the doctor like I'm having these crazy motion sickness problems yeah. and like that doesn't sound like motion sickness yeah at all so, no no but me being me I'm stubborn I'm like ah there's nothing wrong with me I can't <laughs> yeah <believe." laughs> yeah I've done that before too but I think my issue has been um my blood sugar so I have to yeah. monitor my blood sugar a lot and it will drop like while training, right? Very bad. So mm -hmm. it either will drop and cause my, it'll like two things that happen usually. Uh, most of the time my eyesight start going out. And then when it comes back, then I did like, uh, we can call it, um, uh, my brain starts hurting for the rest of the day. Oh, for like, real? Yeah, that it's like throbbing. Huh? Sounds like yeah. you're dehydrated or like your electrolytes are off. Yeah, I think it's both because like, when I don't, keep staying system up in my electrolytes or my sugar mm -hmm. it happened but then like when it happens too and then, like my head is throbbing and i'm driving my anxiety goes up like motherfucker Ugh. it's really bad yeah so like i tried yeah, to like keep our snacks <laughs> <laughs> i should actually do that, that actually is a I good idea that. my whole center console is like like stuff that won't go bad in the car in the heat for real? Like, yeah snacks for days Got I snacks usually, in my desk, snacks in my car. Fuck. I probably like keep my biggest thing is like uh Snickers bars. Okay, those so are like 
Those would melt. Yeah, that's the thing too. Like I got annoyed with that because one day I I tried to open one up after training, and then it was like fighting like the shotler was melted. Yeah, I've had that with clip bars. Clip bars. I don't think I've had clip bar in a while. Not like the granola ones, but like they have the builder bars. I was like, yeah, those for a while. Wait, are you talking about the ones where they you reach up and like it, it sells that dude like it's a, like a mountain climber or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like twenty grams of protein or something like that. That's a lot of. That's. I wonder. Would that be considered a lot of protein for something that small? Maybe. Huh. That reminds me of um, when. What? How do you start doing the whole like? Uh, when you were dieting before, you did like a shit ton of like mostly like protein shakes. Yeah, so I was on like a pretty regimented um, like schedule and Mm -hmm. a restricted diet. So with being vegan and like gluten free eating Mm -hmm. um, and then training doubles like I was every day, like like three, four hours, um, you know, split up. It was like um, like I would have like a loaded shake in the morning Mm -hmm. and then I would go to training and then I would have like another loaded shake after um, and then I would go to like evening training and then I would eat like a pretty big dinner and like a bunch yeah. of snacks at night. So it was kind of like a, a little bit of like intermittent fasting in there yeah. too in the mornings, but um, also with like having IBS, you yeah. know, and going to jujitsu, you got to really regiment that stuff for the benefit of everybody. So <laughs> you said IBS, what is yeah, that? Yeah, like irritable bowel syndrome. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you got to make sure you're on point before you yeah. go to <laughs> no, trust me, I understand. I think I had like something similar because like um and it like it is fucked up because like particular days is like horrible, you yeah, know. Yeah. So like before I started on to like Tim Plan on Tuesday and Thursday, and it still happens when I go there too, and they be talking shit or whatever because the bathroom <laughs> is right there at the map. Like whenever like Whenever I did to Travis, right when I did there, I have to automatically go into the bathroom. And I'm yeah. there for like a, a while or whatever. My stomach <laughs> just feels fucked, like really bad. And right, it's like, right. but what, what, it helped yours go down? Like how you started eating? Um, yeah, so that it, it was kind of a process, like, because I've had, I've had the IBS for a really long time. Um, so I originally went like gluten free and cut that out. And then, mm. Um, I started cutting out like red meat and pork because that would just like, that killed me. So it was kind of like a process. Um, and then I went vegan for almost four years, which I'm not, I haven't stuck to since my surgery. Yeah. Um, it's just because like, oh my gosh, just the, the food cravings alone during yeah. that process were unreal. Yeah. Um, you feel like you craved a lot of, uh, protein, like yeah. meat. Yeah. Like yeah. right before, right, right before I, I even got the diagnosis for everything, it was like, it was like a vampire bloodlust craving, for like, <laughs> right? And I haven't, eaten, I haven't eaten beef or anything like that in yeah. like 13 some odd years. Yeah. I, I still haven't, but like, yeah. it was such a craving for just anything meat yeah. related. I, I've never experienced that. And I, yeah. I can't, I was like, I can't do this. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of like, so there's been like semi a good amount of people that are like switching over to, you know, like the carnivore diet and everything like mm-hmm. that. And so it's basically like the free and opposite of like being a vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people are like that are doing it is like people that have like autoimmune disorders and different mm-hmm. things like that. So I wonder if your body like it causes a trigger of you like craving it, just like how some women that are pregnant crave meat. 
because yeah. like your body wanted to heal itself. And it's like, yeah. I need the protein, I need the iron, I need all those different things in order to rehab myself and bring myself back to where I need mm-hmm. to be that much more, you know? Honestly, like, that's that's kind of how I was looking at it. Like, my body was, like, screaming like screaming at me, you know, like, uh-huh. SOS. Like, yeah. we, need, we need things that we're not getting right now. And yeah. it's crazy because the same thing happened to me when I was much younger, when I was, like, 23 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I did get diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And yeah before that happened, I had been vegetarian for mm-hmm. a few months. I had just started down that journey. Yeah. And I, I kept thinking like, my God, like I just, I must have such a crazy protein deficiency. Or yeah. something because I'm, I'm literally like, my muscles are melting off melting, of me. I don't yeah. know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Come to find out I had like a, a inflammatory muscle connective tissue disease. So like my muscles literally were disappearing on me, but, so- um, yeah, so so I thought, but it was the same thing. Like my body just started going into this hyper craving mode. Yeah, that, that's like you know. So I was like, oh screw this, I'm ditching, I'm ditching this diet. I got to do yeah. what my body's telling, body is telling you to do. Exactly. I feel like it, it's a lot more like a traditional diet too. You know, mm-hmm. it's like traditionally, like where your where is your family from? You don't mind saying, like um, your background. I'm German Irish. German Irish. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I would guess maybe like, because I mean, I guess I would think it's rare where it's like a place that on the earth where like traditionally they didn't like rely on meat a good amount for a diet, you know, even if it wasn't. So that's something that I want to do like in the future is not necessarily be carnivore, but like Mm -hmm. just like (laughs) hunt for my own meat. You know what I mean? I feel like that's a lot more like going back towards a more traditional diet is like way better for people, I think. Well, and that's like, so I've, I've read into, um, just because of all the, the things I've dealt with, um, like different, different diets for different reasons. And one of them was like the, the blood type diet. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'm actually, I'm, I'm O positive. And one thing was like about that is, um, they're really geared towards a lot of meat eating and yeah. things like that, like really clean meat eating. And so yeah. it's, it's interesting that my body just naturally goes into the craves these- it craving modes you know when I'm not when I'm not including those things in my diet and something else is going on yeah that's super wild <laughs> I know I know <laughs> there's always like a like a red beacon like something's yeah. not right <laughs> yeah and then it, like the science proved it like yeah uh yeah. you, you kind of supposed to be eating meat this whole time or whatever like clean right. meat or whatever and then your blood is even like showing it and everything like that yeah I feel like that's it's super so wild. hard to do though like i feel like i don't know i've done so much research into nutrition and things like that mm-hmm. but it's it's almost like going into like information overload like i'm yeah. at a point where i'm not vegan anymore i'm still gluten-free because that's a yeah. necessity but yeah. it's almost like i don't even know what to do so i'm like i'm just gonna make food as simple as i possibly can and just fuck it do, i give up <laughs> well what do you like mostly eat now and does anything that you eat actually like flares up your immune disorder now or no um not not like it used to so i i've been off all of my medications and stuff for the autoimmune issue for about four years now i want to say um yeah but but you know when when i when i originally i got off all my meds like i had quit drinking Mm -hmm. i didn't smoke i didn't you know i went vegan i did all of these yeah the purify your body kind of exactly um, you know, and I've, I've, I've reintroduced, you know, a thing here and there, like, mm-hmm. like chicken and fish and things like that. Um, you know, so it's not like I've, I've stuck to this super strict way of being, but, mm-hmm. 
now it's like sugar like a lot of sugar will trigger the fuck out of it. Yeah. yeah dairy products i don't really i don't eat dairy if i can avoid it you know yeah. so it's, it's kind of all the things that you would expect triggers yeah be, um you know and things that that is just found that you know it kind of impacts everybody negatively yeah i find it funny though because like i think like growing up like chicken was known as like the safe meat to eat or whatever <laughs> and then also if you're not having it fried or whatever it's like healthier and everything like that right. um but i found that like chicken more so like flares up my stomach like it makes my stomach hurt yeah. more i remember know? you saying something about that and it's like that's like one of the only things i eat for like protein now yeah so i'm like that's, waiting for bad things to happen that's like uh gordon ryan you know gordon ryan i think he was saying that um he was like mostly eating like chicken and rice as you know mm -hmm. he has like bad stomach issues that he's oh, trying to like get over yeah oh, that's I why he hasn't that. eaten it for a while because he's saying that the stomach issues like were flare up so bad that mm -hmm. it was like it's hard for him to get through like a training session you know right right i'm yeah. so happy that has never happened to me but the worst i ever have is just gas you know <laughs> and then i run over to like the side like here uh, at Independent, they have like a, a bay door open, and usually mm -hmm. like crystal like make like like open it or whatever. So I run out, I run over there and try to like you know make sure it goes outside versus inside or whatever. But there's has That's been hilarious. like a few times. Bro, you ain't helping anybody with that. It's all gonna no. go. <laughs> I had one you instructor though help. growing up. He used to sit on my face and fart on my face. No. Yeah, yeah, and I had a cousin that did that too, which was like it was so freaking nasty. Like men are uh, interesting Disgusting. i don't know you will you say like no woman would do that either oh women would do that too yeah i can't they do that to it. other women or do, would they do that to guys i think they would do it to guys mostly i've, I've never had a woman do that to me but i'm <laughs> sure they would do it to a dude <laughs> have you ever done it to a guy no no way no. <laughs> I, I actively like, I don't know. I'm one, I'm one of those people where it's like, I obviously have like stomach issues and stuff, but yeah. I, I try and get ahead of it like pretty yeah. early on. I'm just like, yeah, so this is a thing. Like I'm either going to have to hit a bathroom or I'm going to shit my pants. Like we can, oh my God. there's a choice here. We got to make it, you know, I just, I don't know. Uh, there's several like fighters that have done that where they shot, they, they've shat their pants win a middle of a fight i think they said that uh, a Let's famous talk. case was like yo romero he had yeah. like these purple like uh tights on right for his fight and you just oh, see this no. brown fucking circle on his ass and it looked like he like definitely shot himself huh <laughs> that's why you always wear black pants yeah <laughs> <laughs> so nothing free and sees through yeah you can't like, see anything <laughs> that's why i don't be wearing like white geese when i do like I don't try to wear white geese because I feel like it's harder to get shit out of them. Like yeah, whether it's a blood stain anyway. or anything. Yeah, right. really easily. Do you mostly, what color geese do you mostly wear? Mine are all black. Yeah. You never I think did I have that. like one gray one and that's only because it's a certain um, elevate. It's like the elevate from War Tribe and it's like extra stretchy because yeah. they, I don't, I don't remember if they had a black one or not, but I like I the collar on it. Yeah. I've never done anything from War Tribe before. I like their stuff and like for for a woman they're mm -hmm. one of the brands that cater to being a woman and, yeah. and actually having things that fit well 
yeah. um, a lot of different brands. I mean, I know there's a lot of brands now that are, that, that have stuff for women, but it's, it's a lot more difficult and like trying to find sizes that work for you. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, the, the top is either, you know, you get something and it's like the, the jacket's going to be like a tent or you can't get your size in something. So, but War Tribe does a pretty good job and you can mix and match and stuff. Is it the same thing for uh, like Nogi stuff? No, Nogi is a little bit different because it's extra stretchy. But what you have to watch out for with Nogi uh-huh. is making sure you don't get pants that go see through when they stretch. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I've seen that before too. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. I use most of my stuff is virus. I like the yeah. virus brand that and as far as nobody's told me if my ass is hanging out everywhere, yeah. I'm gonna hope it's not. Uh, yeah. I don't know, like, uh, it was only, it was one time, one person, and I kind of was like, I don't know if I should tell that person or not, you know what right, I mean? Right, like, what do you do? It's like, well, yeah. think about it now. Yeah, that it's like, that is like way that. too, like, you know, you might want to change. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'll put some shorts on over that. But, you know, right. a lot of people do that, like, when they have, like, spats, they'll put shorts on over it. I used to do that a lot, yeah, dude, but do mostly that. for my knees. So, like, oh, like shooting in and, like, doing a lot of, like, um, I don't work up my knees a lot now, but like before when I did, it was like just the mat, and my knees were like, my skin is sensitive. It's not as sensitive really? as it used to be, but it used to be super sensitive. So like when it was, and my knees were like go up against the mat, like my skin starts scraping and stuff. And so I did like rashes on my skin with like way too often. Shit hurt. Yeah. 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 I get that like with my feet a lot of times. My feet will get really torn up, but. Mm-hmm. Not not so much elsewhere. So for you, what do you what do you say your experience been like uh, as a woman doing jujitsu? Oh, overall good. I'd say, yeah. yeah. Um, everyone seems to be um, respectful. I've never had any issues. Um, there. Oh, my computer's gonna die. one second you're like do not kill me (laughs) i'm stuck okay Um, but yeah, so there's, there's been some instances, um, not many, but just, um, people kind of being a little too touchy feely and, you know, it's, um, you know, like, like a dude will be like, um, there's, okay. So there's, I'm not going to say names or anything, but there's one situation where there was this guy and, Mm um, like I went to fist bump him. I was, I was new where I was the, the place I was training. I was new. And so I was like, okay, cool. Later. See you, you know, fist bump. Like I do mm-hmm. pretty much everybody. And he was like, Oh, we hug around here. And I was like, okay, whatever. And he stood up and he gave me a hug and I was like, didn't think anything. Of it. Yeah. Right. But after that day, every single time I saw this dude, uh-huh. he would have to give me a hug and yeah. he would insert himself into positions where it was really awkward to be getting a hug at that point. Yeah. Where he would like walk onto the mats late and like yeah. hug me in the middle of warmups. And I'm like, and I'm, I'm a polite <laughs> person. Yeah. You know, like, I'm really polite and I'm just like, all I imagine though is you like running around the circle, like doing a warm up <laughs> yeah. and him like running up to you like at first and not hugging nobody else either. Or right. like well, being dumb as 
Yeah. Yeah. That so that actually became a thing. Like he would. There was one. Like I was talking to a girl. Uh huh. Um. It was after training was over, and he comes up and gives me this like super awkward hug in the middle of our conversation, and then he got really awkward because he sees I'm talking to some chick. Yeah. And he was like, uh, 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 and then goes and gives her a hug too. I was like, dude, but apparently, so what ended up happening was, He's um, like, I've been exposed. Right, <laughs> so it was because she was sitting there, he was like, oh, fuck, okay, <laughs> um, so it was, you know, I mean, I, I suppose I, I should have said something, but it's yeah. so awkward, and, like, it ended up turning into a thing where, like, he ended up, um, like, some, some other dude said something to him, and then he just never talked to me again. Yeah. Um, and, and the dude that said something to him didn't even mention my name. He yeah, just, he just said that somebody felt weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then and then he literally never even said hello yeah. or anything like that to me again. So he probably because, already knew. You right? might have, like, sensed it because, like, especially, like, yeah. if a dude, like, even a particular girl energy or whatever, and then they find out from somebody else, oh, there's somebody that's, like, feeling uncomfortable or whatever, like, unless you're, like, completely oblivious or whatnot, right. you can't tell because of, you know, that's the girl you've been in energy to. You know what I mean? Apparently, I'm not the only one, though. Apparently, there's been multiple. Several? Several. I was just the new one. <laughs> <laughs> the new baby. <laughs> yeah, apparently, there have been a long history, so. Um, that's pretty yeah, I don't know. But besides that, it's never been anything weird. Like, if if anything, being a girl in jujitsu is honestly like feeling like like you're you're the last person picked for fucking basketball and PE yeah. in middle school every time yeah. because the guys will pair up and yeah. you're left standing there like you have fucking leprosy or something. Yeah. It's like, I'm a human being too. Yeah. Can I have a fucking partner? You think even like even like higher belt guys would do that? They do. They do. I mean, they're, they're nice when it comes to like rolling and stuff like, you know, and, and they'll work with you obviously. Mm -hmm. And once you build relationships, it's a lot easier, but, yeah. but even still, like, even after being at a gym for like a year or something, it's like, if you're the only chick, mm -hmm. most people are very reserved about working with you or rolling. Yeah. You have to actively call people out and then you yeah. look like a fucking jerk or something. It's yeah. like, hello, will anybody work with me? Like yeah. this one dude at one point was like, well, you need to be more assertive. And I'm like, fine. No, okay, not really. Fine, fucking somebody work with me yeah. then. And then I sound like a bitch. Yeah, that's kind of retarded. I mean, right, like, so. I feel like you need to be more like assertive or whatnot. I mean, like, me, like, other dudes, like, they don't have to be assertive to, like, work with me or whatever. Well, right. some of them do. Oh, whatever. Yeah, that can be a little, like, choosy with who I mm -hmm. want to work with. Right. Uh, at particular gyms you know what i mean and so but like at the same time it's not like a um me when it comes to, like me in like classes i've been in with you if i ever wrote like work with you or haven't worked with you it's not because of like it's not because of you it's, it'll be more so because somebody like and it's not because you're a woman it'll be more so because um there's somebody i feel like i can work the technique better with you know what i mean right. or throw some things better with but whenever there's like particular situations or whatever when we did work with each other i would be like oh yeah i'm oh with jordan or whatnot mm -hmm. because like, i felt comfortable being able to work a technique with you right you know versus somebody else you know what i mean yeah but i feel like it's 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 bad when like people have to pull hairs or whatever to work with anybody on the mat you know yeah. what i mean you know like to me, that's freaking lame. 
but you know i mean it is what it is it's it's, yeah and that's the thing about you know doing stuff that relies on a partner Mm -hmm. Um, there's always going to be kind of a give and take you know so it's i i don't i don't it's not like I'm I'm not going to go train or feel some mm-hmm. certain way about it. You know, it's just, it is what it is at this point. But it's just, honestly, it's become kind of comical. Yeah. Like, I remember when I first moved down here, you know, to Florida, that gym that I went to, I was telling you about, yeah. the first night of rolling, all yeah. the guys paired up. And there was literally one dude left. And he, yeah. he was like, one dude that was blue belt. He's yeah. actively looking around the map yeah. for like, anybody else. And I'm yeah. standing like three fucking feet away from yeah. this guy. And he's like, I'm just like, what, am yeah. I part of a wall? <laughs> like, yeah. So it's, it's honestly just really funny at this point. Yeah. Like, damn, y'all, y'all are like that. Okay. Yeah. Nah, that's kind of oh. like retarded. And I think the more retarded thing, because like, I mean, I like people that roll smooth and that roll and try to do jiu right? Well, I've mm-hmm. rolled with you before. I like even ask you to roll again or whatever. Yes, I yeah. actually a roll, and I'm not just lying saying that or whatever to <laughs> look good. But it actually was a roll. So I think when people like are like that or whatever, it I think it also depends on like the culture of the gym and also what your what how you how you like to roll too. You know, yeah. if they like the roll where it's like a trap and it's always like a fight and everything like that. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. want to roll with somebody they feel like, oh, they can have a fight with, you know? Right. Which, hey, I don't I mean, look I'm for not that. trying to toot my own horn, but I'll put up a damn good fight. Yeah. I might not yeah. win, but yeah. it's going to be a good roll. Yeah. I remember, I think it was the first or second time I ever rolled with you. It was like a strap. Probably and I was second, like, oh, the first crap. time we rolled, I was like, this dude is just submitting me every four seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a second. But you also like, you like turn on a switch. You know, yeah. I think that what makes you like a pretty a competitor too is you're better than me like turning on the switch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then when you turn on the switch, it's like your whole face and demeanor changes. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, like we're on at it, buddy. And I'm like, oh fuck, <laughs> whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah. I get that. People say that like if they're they're sitting on the side or something. I'll just be rolling and like in my head, I'm having the time of my life. I'm yeah. like, you know, like yeehaw. And like they're yeah. just like you look so intense and I'm like, yeah, really? you do. I'm having you a look, good time. Yeah, you look serious as hell or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like, I was like, God damn or whatever. But I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I probably do the same thing and don't notice at all. Right. I, I, have, I have zero, I'm not zero, but I have very low awareness of what my face looks like at particular yeah. times. Typically rolling, definitely, you know? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, so like I didn't look like a fucking crazy person, and I even know it. Right, exactly. Because like in your head, you're not even thinking about it. So it's like you're so you're so in the moment that it's yeah. not even like, oh, what am I what am I doing with everything else? It's yeah. just there. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but that's not. I don't know. You know, I've had to chill out quite a bit. So I I miss I miss being able to just like zone in. Why do you think you have to chill out? Because of my surgery. Oh, okay. (laughs) Not be not not on ham, you know. Yeah, not not going (laughs) plenty. I feel like that's better. Even like, I don't know. I like the the concept of flow rolling. Yeah, I've really been enjoying it. Honestly, I feel like you know, all things considered, I've gotten a lot better because I've been literally forced to take everything and slow it down Mm. to like 
so slow, you know, especially early on in my recovery, it was like, um, everything was, was like slow motion and like slow rolling. And so you really hit the technique and you really just spend a lot of time breaking different things down and doing Mm. the same thing over and over and over over because you can't do half of the other stuff. So it's yeah. been really helpful. And I, I remember one time I was at independent, uh-huh. like, I'll never forget this. Like, it was like karma waiting to happen. Yeah. Like professor Chris uh-huh. literally scolded me for muscling out of everything. Yeah. I was like, sad face. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then I have this, this fucking surgery. And then it's yeah. like, everything has to be technical and slow. Yeah. And I'm just like, All right, professor Chris, you win. <laughs> <laughs> Can't muscle a lot of it now. <laughs> no, it's way better that way. Because then, like, when you can't muscle people or whatever, then you know you're still able to get out of shit. You know what I mean? It's just hey, not, you found yeah. other solutions. Yeah, which is better. The, yeah, it's way better as it's like it makes the solution unilateral. You know, mm-hmm. versus just like particular people. You know what I mean? Like, right. I try not to do things that it and only work on particular people. Yeah, that, that's the, also the reason why I work. Th- well, no, no, that's wrong. Because I will switch <laughs> up my game up based on. Uh, it's like okay, so you have like a lot of heavier guys mm-hmm. when they're on top, they work off their knees and they try to pressure into you. You know. Yeah. And so they'll try to pressure into you and work something like a body lock pads or like swim their arm through the top of your leg, and grab your knee, your bottom knee, and shit like that. And so I work a totally different like. I won't try to like sweep them a lot, you know, mm-hmm. because it's way hard to sweep because their like hips are so far down or so bunt or down. I try right. to wrestle up with them a lot, but not like like conventional wrestle up. Like I wrestle to their back and make them turtle mm-hmm. because they're like almost in a turtle position anyway, oh, you know? Yeah. But and some so, of the dudes want you to do that. They want to be able to turtle up. Yeah. This is lame as a mode. Oh, what is that? Is it called the, the fat man roll? You ever been fat man roll before? It's where they like, okay, so you put your arm in, like underneath their armpit, and then uh, what they'll do is they'll reach around and grab up above your elbow and just sit through. And when they sit through, it's like you like oh, yeah. roll all the way over. And so you're right here, you're grabbing underneath this elbow, and so they flip your body all the way over, and then you have to wash your elbows still because then they end up Kamort rip and like Kamort and shit. Right. Yeah. That's like the one thing I try to wash out for um, when I force the turtle position. Yeah. I like get my arms out and I'll be like, (laughs) 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 don't fucking touch my hands, dude. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. But um, I want to ask you, like, what are you a professor of? And why you get into that particular like yes. area of study? And yeah, even be start, a start talking about the serious stuff. Yeah, <laughs> why do you like like teaching uh, adults? Uh, so like I it? am a professor of criminology, mm-hmm. and um, I have my PhD in criminology and criminal justice. And why do I like teaching adults? Mm, that's a loaded question. <laughs> well, first, how do you get into it? Like, how you get how into, I get into it? Right. Um, Well, you know, it's just something that's always kind of been a part of my life as kind of weird as that sounds. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a lot of um, just with family and and personal experience growing up, a lot of interaction Mm -hmm. with um, 
offenders and yeah. uh, and um, you know the criminal justice system and kind of how that works. So mm-hmm. um, it was it's really like since since I was really little, just kind of always been an active part of my life in some way, shape, or form. And then um, I just started getting really interested in different things. Um, you know, like violent offenders are kind of one of my one of my areas. Violence is one of my areas, um, mm-hmm. and just kind of looking into it on a deeper level. I guess you know, looking back on it, probably trying to just understand different things that mm-hmm. maybe have transpired. You know, for for different reasons. Yeah. Um, and then you know, in my in my own experiences, it's just you know, it's just kind of always been there. So um, you know, I was really I did a lot of studying and things like that in um, like the corrections area. I thought, you know, just for different reasons, I obviously there's a a big problem in the US with like the prison industrial complex and things like that. But um, it was more about the offenders that were in the prisons that really Mm -hmm. interested me the most. And, you know, how we got to where we are with with such a big criminal justice system and so Mm -hmm. many people being incarcerated for what honestly is kind of bullshit. Yeah. Uh, or, or the extent of what they're incarcerated for is, you know, we, we do have a pretty funky system. Um, yeah. And so it kind of just came to be like, you know, you know, in academia, there's a lot of like, this is a lot of great information. And the thing that, that, you know, why I like what I do, but also what frustrates me about it is that it's, you know, so what the fuck are we doing about it? Yeah. Um, so that's really kind of where um, I, started pursuing things and, and where my, my work has evolved up to this point is here's a problem. Here's, here's some fucked up shit. Yeah. What are we going to do about it? Because you can look at things all day long, you know, and watch the shit on Netflix, if you will. But, but at the end of the day, if all you're going to do is talk about a problem, you're not going to, you know, the problem's still going to be there. So I'm, I'm very much an action oriented person. Yeah. Do you ask that a lot? Like in your uh, like class assignments? For people, do you ask them in terms of how do they think we can like fit certain things done with the like criminal justice system? Um, yeah, I, I it's a you know honestly it's a big question. Like I'm teaching a course on violence right now, and mm-hmm. their kind of like end project is constructing a violence prevention strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, so picking one of the big areas that we're discussing this semester, um, you know, one of the main topics of violence, and, and we go from everything from you know, murder, domestic violence, sexual violence, all the way up to, to macro level violence, like genocide mm-hmm. and terrorism and things like that. Um, and so their, their whole, um, you know, objective is to look at these things, what's being done about it, and then what would they do, mm-hmm. you know, to, to kind of mitigate or prevent these things in the future. So I, yeah. I incorporate these types of things as much as possible, because a lot of my students do want to go into the field um, a lot of them want to go into law enforcement. You ask them, yeah. what do you want to do? And they're like, FBI agent. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so cute. Like, <laughs> oh I'm not going to tell you no, but <laughs> I'm going to encourage you to look at other options. options. Well, what yeah. are other options dealing with it outside of just um, like trying well, to become like a police officer or FBI? Right. So I think that's a really big mistake perception that a lot of people have like even when they you know they'll ask me oh you're in you're in criminology are you a cop and I'm like Mm -hmm. that's like one small fraction of of criminal justice and criminology in general so Mm -hmm. um you know there's there's outside of the law enforcement route which you know you can do federal or correctional or there's a lot of different even under that umbrella um you know things that aren't usually considered things like counseling, um, going into like victim services, 
um, doing trauma, trauma mm -hmm. care, working, working in correctional facilities, not on a correctional level. Um, you know, so, so it's a very diverse area. You know, you could also go into um, forensics, different mm -hmm. things with psychology, psychology and criminology are pretty entwined. Yeah, I would think so. Especially when you were talking about terms of like preventative measures mm -hmm. and like be able to stop um, particular violent crimes. I would think that would have a lot to do with psychology. It does to a level. And, and that's, I think, another misperception that people have is that, you know, all, you know, all the mass shooters or all the big time um, violent individuals are like, like fucking nuts or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's honestly a quite, quite a low number. Um, mass shooters actually do have a higher incident level of um, or prevalency of, of mental health than, than we see in other violent areas. But at the same time, it's, um, you know, with things like domestic violence, that's a big issue right now. Um, you know, just especially with things like COVID, people kind of being stuck inside together, domestic yeah. violence are up, child abuse is up, you mm -hmm. know, just because of the situation that we find ourselves in. And, yeah. um, you know, so it's looking, being able to like look at how we can prevent those types of things because that's not all psychology. Yeah. Uh, psychology plays a role, but at the same time, it's, you know, a very different dynamic. So it's, again, it's just a part of the puzzle. You know, there there is no one answer, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, from your perspective, what would be some of like, some things that can be implemented as preventative measures? You know what I mean? For mm -hmm. in particular, in terms of like domestic violence. With domestic violence? Ooh, that's, that's interesting. Um, that's kind of a loaded bag, honestly. Yeah. Like, because at the end of the day, a lot of people are not willing to leave the situation. Yeah. So if it's, if it's traditionally, you know, and obviously we see more male on female violence, there mm -hmm. is female on male violence or yeah. mutual, um, you know, partner violence where both partners are, are engaging mm -hmm. in violent behavior. But if we're looking at kind of the traditional, um, setup of like male to female violence. Um, honestly, I think the biggest thing that we could do is give women more support and resources. And we do have things like that, like domestic violence um, centers, women's shelters and things like that, mm -hmm. which, which obviously are really good. But, you know, you think about it, you're in a situation where you are probably very fearful of the repercussions of your actions. You don't mm -hmm. really have a backup plan. You don't really know what's going to happen if you, you know, call the police or something like that, or go down that road. And so they just yeah. don't, yeah. people just don't. And, and, and even, it doesn't even have to be fear. Like, you know, some people are just like, no, I just, you know, I, I understand this is happening. I just love this person. I don't want yeah. anything to happen to them. them. Yeah. Too as well. Yeah. So it's really a difficult thing to address because you are dealing with these entwined lives of yeah. people's emotion and, yeah. and so education and opportunity for for people to um, get help outside yeah. of law enforcement avenues, I think would yeah. be really good um, because people don't want to call. And, and even if they do call, there isn't a chance that much is going to change, unfortunately. Yeah. You said education, but education in what way? Um, just, just giving women the skills or knowledge that there are op or, um, options for them to, to 
find if they would like to seek help and things like that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, some people don't, they may not even know that there are resources available to them. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, education is not, them. right, exactly. Yeah. So not education in the sense of like learning about domestic violence or something yeah. like that, but like resources that would be- that be able to help them, yeah. be able to deal with everything. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's good. I think the, one of the things like, I think one of the coolest things about even what we were talking about before, like jujitsu or martial arts is, I think one of the best ways to like help defend people is like to teach them how to defend themselves, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I think that if there was like a readily sort, yeah. I think if there was like, you know how they have like um, adopt a cop, which I think is really good in terms of like <laughs> how like they like particular gyms, you know, like the gym out, the independent gym out of Noonan, they have like their own like, police officer like class in the morning right. you know exclusive for police officers so they did like additional training on how to handle situations how to defend themselves everything like that so they can rely on those skills versus you know anything else mm -hmm. um, I think it's the same thing when it comes to like people dealing with these situations too but I feel like it should be more in-depth than just like a or like self-defense class like you ever don't right. or seen like a regular self-defense class you yeah, know, yeah. I feel like it, it, it's good in terms of like getting some like knowledge, but if you're really trying to dive into be able to utilize it, you know, in a mm -hmm. real situation, it has to be like a consistent thing that you work, you know? Right. So right. there's like, feel like a weekend thing. Yeah. If it was some type of program where it was like women are and people in this situation, like dealing with these things and they were like funded to be able to help learn skills mm -hmm. to defend themselves, that doesn't mean that. You know, and a lot of times I feel like too, when you have those skills, it makes it less lightly for it. When you do defend yourself, you don't go overboard, you know? Right, that's true, that's yeah. true. Um, because that's also an issue in extreme cases that we see where there is a pattern of male violence on, on a woman. And then all of a sudden, you know, the woman's been taking it, taking it, taking it. And then she just fucking snaps, right? Yeah. And then that's when things like, all of a sudden she's spending the rest of her life in prison because she murdered yeah. somebody. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So being able to like kind of control and mitigate emotions and respond to things differently, yeah. even. Um, and I think you know, um, ju like jujitsu in general is so good for that. It's so mm -hmm. good for so many things. But you know, unfortunately, the people that need like the women that would need the yeah. notes are probably so uncomfortable to do it because there's so many dudes and Dude, like doing it. if you're coming out of that situation, you know. And, and you're the only girl, like, you know, I've, I've been yeah. the only girl, a lot of yeah. girls are the only girl sometimes. It's, yeah. they're going to be so uncomfortable walking into that situation or that, yeah. you know, even if it's a safe place like a gym. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, like, how I, even the troubles in terms of even building up a, like, women's only program, too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Have you, like, right. ever tried to, like, go to, like, uh, like, a women's only class and everything like that? And how was it in terms of um, being able to keep people being consistent towards it? So I've had, like, when I was training in Illinois, um, it wasn't, a, like, an actual class that, mm -hmm. that was part of the program, but me and some of the women kind of had our own Monday morning women's class that mm -hmm. we, would, we would train together in, um, and it was great. I thought it was really um, beneficial. You know, we, we drilled a lot. We got a lot done. Mm -hmm. uh, so I thought it was really nice. I, I'm not really the type of person that would only do a women's only class though mm -hmm. i do i do like you know and this is just me personally i like working with the guys a lot because yeah. like 
dudes are like really fast and really strong and really yeah. technical. And so I, I just think it's more fun for me because you know me, I'm not, I'm yeah. not a little chick yeah, and no. me sitting yeah. at a bus 60 or something yeah. going against a girl that's yeah. 120. Yeah. I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather roll with a two. Right? You the ladder, yeah. Yeah, because I feel, I feel bad. I'm like, man, I'm just sitting on this chair. Yeah. <laughs> I do think like, even if like they start off and um, one of the coaches, uh, like woman coach I know, she was talking about this in terms of like, even if they start off in like an all woman class, eventually, mm -hmm. like after like two or three months, they have to transition to a guy class. And it's not because like you can't get fully what you need from like that from that female instructor or whatever as a female instructor might be the instructor of the whole the regular class right. too but it's more so in terms of like if you're doing for self-defense you have to be used to the body types That's that true. you're probably going to be defending yourself against so if you're working this to defend against a guy your techniques might be diluted if you're only going up against a woman as you're still your size you know versus yeah. to be able to do the same things proficiently against a dude bigger or be able to modify things to be able to handle somebody bigger too as well. You know, like so your strategy and everything is probably going to change. And what right. you work is probably going to change too as well. So it's, it's almost like a, a smart thing. Like I think it's good to be able to work with all different body types that you never know, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, yeah, you know, and it's, but it's, it's nice having like a women's group or something like that. I can, you know, and as, as I said, like it's, being the only chick has its downfalls for, mm. for reasons of just people sometimes just not, not being able to find partners and things like that mm -hmm. um, as, as comfortably as you would like to, but yeah. you know, it, it's nice just having kind of like a, even in, in a class with other guys in it, having mm. women there as well, just kind of gives it a different dynamic. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it is from a dude's perspective, but usually, you know, being in the, like minority group of, of yeah. individuals there it's, it's nice <laughs> yeah i think for me it's it's mostly about in terms of how much like jujitsu the person knows and wants to do you know because mm -hmm. like sometimes like if i don't want to owe it like early it's the same reason i don't want to owe it a like a, a lower belt guy you know what right. i mean it's like the amount of jujitsu, you know, that they might have access to. And then based off of how they come, like, if they come like, oh, I want to strap every single time. That's mm -hmm. it. It's not a technical strap at all. And then it's like more likely that I'm going to get hurt or they're, right. they're going to get hurt, you know? And so like trying to like keep the injury prevention down, you know? Oh, yeah. And then there's That's takes will, to my beard to slow down. I will down. not work with white belt guys. Will not. Yeah. I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, they were the shit out of me. I was like, I'll smack a motherfucker if he tries to pull something right now. I don't care if this isn't jujitsu. Get off yeah. of me. No. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Have you I, don't, I won't ever even do slapped it. Somebody before? Do what? Have you literally ever slapped somebody before? In jujitsu or in general? Uh, both. Um, so, so I was working with, um, this one guy at, at the gym in Georgia I went to, and, um, he was, he's very known for digging his elbows into people. Yeah. And I just, I I, I, yeah, I wasn't even thinking about it. I just smacked him on the uh -huh. back and I was like, bro, stop. And yeah. he was just like, I was like, you're the one digging your elbow into me. Yeah. I didn't even think about it. I just whacked him. That's funny as hell. I hate when people do that. They do that too. When they're like <laughs> trying to open up the guard. Huh? Yeah. I so said he's open up the guard. Oh, what? No, I just thought like, you know, you ever like had that time of the day where you just feel like tired as fuck? 
Yeah, that's been like every day for the last three weeks um, yeah. with COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, it's three o'clock, time for bed. <laughs> yeah, that's fucked up, especially like swishing. Like if you like, as you, you say you got COVID and a sinus infection. It's like yeah. kind of like even more messed up where you like go from one thing to another thing. Are you still not allowed to like go on campus though, even though you have a sinus infection now? Why is no, that? I talked to uh, I talked to my job on Friday to see if I could get back on campus Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, my I just you know I was able to move my classes online temporarily, which mm-hmm. is nice, you know. Um, but so I but I have to get cleared to go back on campus. And even though COVID isn't a problem, they told me that um, she was like she was like I'm sorry, you sound terrible. She's yeah. like I can't let you on campus like that. Yeah. People might um, assume. Right. And my students know I was out with COVID. So it's not like it's a secret or anything, but there's a lot of fear and um, anxiety just if people are coughing a lot or Mm -hmm. are just showing signs of sickness. And and so they're they're very um, cautious about that. I guess they've had complaints from students about Mm -hmm. other faculty members who didn't even have COVID, but were sick and came into class. And and I guess people are just very on edge and uncomfortable about it. About it. Yeah, so and and that's fine, you know. I'm on I'm on a moxicillin, like a mega dose of that, and like a, a Z pack steroid pack thing. So, realistically, I probably shouldn't be on campus anyway. Anyway, yeah. So you know, it is what it is. Have you had a lot of students like basically like call out or using COVID to be able to call out of classes a lot? My students don't actually do that. Um, They'll go through, it's kind of like a, they have to report if they've been in contact with anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's like protocols in place and they have to quarantine for a specific amount of time and things like that. So I'll get like official emails if Mm -hmm. a student isn't going to be there. Even if they don't have COVID, if they've come into contact with someone that is, they still have to be off campus so they're pretty they're pretty rigid about it um i'm i'm fortunate that i work at like a private school um, so we don't yeah so we don't have to follow the same um, guidelines yeah exactly which is which is very nice for a lot of reasons Mm. um the public the public schools are getting slammed with a lot of um things that they have to do and mandates that they have to do that uh, i'm not comfortable with so even down there in florida Cause I feel like a lot of people like perceive Florida as being just open. You know what I mean? Yeah, Florida's a little bit different. I have friends on the West Coast in like Washington and California who work at universities over there, and they have very, very strict um, guidelines that they have to follow for COVID, um, yeah. mandatory vaccinations, and things like that. That hasn't been a thing where I am. Yeah, um, could be a part of being in the state that I am. Could also be a part of of working at a private institution. Because the state can't really mandate to us what to do, you know, there's recommendations, but it's it's a little bit different. Well, that's cool. I feel like, though, it's crazy, as I heard a lot of people in terms of based off of what job they have, they're starting to be, like, mandated to dip Mm -hmm. the vaccine. And then that's why a lot of people are very on edge in terms of, like, keeping their job, especially if it's a government job, you know, because then it's like, if they don't want to get vaccinated, you know what I mean? they have to anyway if they keep that job or whatnot then they're like it's like that balance yeah and i've heard of people like walking out of jobs you know like there's been walkouts and things in different in different jobs so i i don't know it'll be interesting to see how this all kind of plays out Mm -hmm. um as somebody that's like a behavioral and social researcher i i kind of like 
sitting back and watching as things unfold. So <laughs> as bad as that sounds, I'm like, let's see what fresh chaos is today. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, <laughs> I want to go back to one particular thing that yep. kind of touched on before and turned it down with like the match shooters. Uh, mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you say most of the uh, like signs are for, if, are you able to identify if somebody's like likely to become one? What if so? What are those signs? And if so, also, if there are any measures already established to like preventing that from happening? Um, so again, it's it's unfortunately not a one size fits all sort mm -hmm. of thing. Um, we can kind of put some commonalities between like who may be more likely. Um, generally it's going to be males. I think everybody's been a male at this point and very low numbers of women engage in that type of thing. Um, mm. so males in their, um, young adulthood, I would say in their twenties. Um, but you know, the, the reasons behind why people do what they do, like it's, it starts getting messy. So you can kind of put like a profile around in a broad way, mm -hmm. um, you know, individuals that that um, maybe are looking at um, like sort of extreme content online, or maybe they're posting misogynistic things, or have these views that are either a bit radical in one way or another. Or um, the, the misogyny is actually like pretty common across the trajectory um, in a lot of ways. Um, but then you know, but then there's also people that are like big loners, um, mm -hmm. you know, but, but we see even from like James Holmes, the, uh, dark night mass shooter, he mm. was, he was working on a PhD, yeah. very brilliant guy, you know, and, and even the Unabomber had a PhD, like, you know, so it's, it's, wait, it's who's, really interesting. uh, James Holmes, you said James, James Holmes, Holmes, James Holmes. Yeah. It was, was, uh, Colorado. And I think 2012, Mm -hmm. He went into a movie theater, um, Aurora, Aurora County, I think it was, um, and shot up the movie theater when The Dark Knight was playing. Oh, was I remember that. I was yeah. actually like in Africa when that happened. Yeah, he it's, got um, yeah. Like, like three consecutive life sentences or like 3,000 3, years. The, the judge basically said like, I'm going to give you so many years that you will never ever come out of prison and see the light of day again, basically. Did they ever um, find out why he did it? Um, <laughs> interestingly, he, I guess, was harboring a lot of, um, like, he was a case where there could have been some mental mm -hmm. um, issues. He had had some mental health issues when he was younger. And and honestly, like, what, what some people say is the triggering point of his actions were, um, like, a girlfriend broke up with him, like, sort of beforehand. Um, so right. it wasn't even, yeah, so it was like a couple months and then it just kind of all spiraled out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was, he was a, a, also like a very young, brilliant guy was working mm -hmm. on, had a, had a really big research grant and everything. Um, but then, you know, you see people like uh, the Orlando Pulse nightclub shooter and mm -hmm. um, he, he was also young. I think he was like 29, yeah. but um, you know, he was, he shot up a, a gay nightclub and um it you know but now it's kind of coming out where he claimed isis affiliation but yeah. there's potential that he also had some homosexual tendencies and had gone to the nightclub before yeah so, before yeah yeah so it's it's really just such a mixed bag and it's like trying to find these warning signs you know and that's where we come into the problems with things like prevention because mm -hmm. 
if you start targeting people, especially yeah. young individuals in schools, it kind of becomes this labeling self-fulfilling prophecy, prophecy right? Yeah. Like, oh, you're you're a loner, you're this, yeah. you're that, you're the other thing. Yeah, you're more likely you're to do this. You're probably gonna be a fucking shooter. It's like, yeah, ostracize the dude even more, right? More, like, yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, you're crazy. Exactly. Yeah. So then what's he going to do? Turn to people that are either thinking the same things or go yeah. online. And it's like the, the radicalized, more extreme ideology just kind of starts progressing. Progressing so even more. Yeah. Yeah. So it's difficult to put these labels on people until unfortunately they start acting in some way. And, and yeah. that's one thing with the internet right now, people are so prone to just mm. blasting all their shit online. Yeah. Super proud, right? Yeah. So, but we can, it's, it's good in that way because we can see a path at this point, you know, people posting things mm -hmm. um, more than we used to. So it's yeah. kind of like, that's, you start seeing those red flags yeah, beforehand before action starts happening. You know, mm -hmm. there's a difference between having beliefs and um, even putting words out, you know, even even if they're not nice, you mm -hmm. know, there's a difference between acting on something and speaking about something. Yeah. So if you catch people when they're just maybe putting speaking. some things that, yeah, yeah, that's kind of when you have to. And then and then there's different things like um, CVE programs are becoming um, popular, countering violent extremism programs. Mm -hmm. Where it's like you catch people in these early phases. I'd mm -hmm. say catch. That's probably a bad word to use. Yeah. You, you know, somehow you come into contact with these mm -hmm. individuals at these early points. And it's kind of like having early intervention, like, you know, what, and that's when you bring like, you know, psychology and things like that into it. Like, why are you, why are you thinking this way? Who are you, you know, where's your affiliation mm -hmm. with this? Um, and there's been a lot of really good work happening in that area. Um, yeah. And it's, it's difficult because it's not like people are being monitored all the time yeah. and then, it's, you know, privacy issues and things like that. So do you think it's easier with like how technology is nowadays in terms of like the internet and stuff like that for when somebody is tending to go to a particular side for people to reach out to them and kind of like like push them more along when they have like more, like extremist views like them? Do you, oh, have, yeah. have you seen a lot of that too? It has been the greatest like recruiting tool that you could find in the world um yeah you know we, we saw that big time with isis that's that's an example you know that's that is pretty common knowledge yeah. at this point. um you know that there's issues in the middle east there's a ton of different reasons why and you know they were able to um use the internet and basically get people from the united states even yeah. women and just a whole plethora of different yeah people join or pledge allegiance to this organization so it's yeah. it's you're able if you have some sort of of grievance or you feel like so with vicarious victimization it's like you're not specifically victimized mm -hmm. but you relate to a person or group mm -hmm. who has been victimized and yeah. so it's like you can either see some sort of vicarious victimization happening and identify with that that person mm -hmm. or that individual so you feel victimized um, or you have some sort of grievance as well, for whatever reason, mm. you go online, you start doing all these searches and kind of going down these rabbit holes, contacting and talking to people that also feel these yes, grievances. And you literally just start like kind yeah. of trailing a little yeah, further, 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 further and further down the rabbit hole. 
exactly you know it's not like somebody is all of a sudden like oh i think that's a really bad thing that that's yeah. happening over there and all of a sudden they're shooting somebody yeah there's yeah. this normalizing progression that you see yeah. with a lot of violent behavior it's normalizing it and it's, yeah. it's even with those radical ideas pushing the envelope just a little bit more just a little bit more yeah. right? what do you think in terms of not even like in terms of like something official like government wise or like some type of institution stepping in to help that person what do you think like him really help somebody who's going through something individually help steer them in a different direction you know what i mean like different circumstances or something somebody does or different things like that outside of like official yeah things mm. honestly i feel like connection and community is a really big part of, of, I'm going to say the healing process because you're mm -hmm. obviously hurt from something. Um, I, it's, it's so wild what, you know, we need to have solid social structures and support around mm -hmm. us. And if yeah. you don't have that, you're going to start looking for it in alternative avenues. And that's, mm -hmm. I think where people get sucked into these kind of negative groups and, and associations. So just really forming these, these close knit support systems that are, that are pro-social. And honestly, I think, I think, and I'm not just saying this cause I do it, but like things like martial arts, jujitsu, um, these types of things, you, you have a community where mm -hmm. you are and, and it's very supportive and it's, you know, um, obviously it's not perfect, but mm -hmm. you, you build these bonds and you, you build yourself and your, social group around you yeah. at the same time yeah. so i think that is a really important element that is often overlooked you know everyone wants to focus on the individual and getting the person help and and this and that and the other thing and, th and that's really important that's really important for a lot of reasons but but also just having a structure of support around you from yeah. other people you know i really think it it, it it acts as a buffer in a lot of ways I agree with that. I think the one of the number one things that I've been taught before is like people, us as humans, we're naturally like communal. You know what I mean? So like you said before, we want like a community that we can identify with. Right. We want people that we can be able to associate with and everything like that. And it makes it a lot easier. We're starting to trend towards one side to like find like when other people are like, oh yeah, you know, we believe this too. And then they like get mm -hmm. you further in that. But then at the same time, if it's like a different well, in terms of like something more positive and it's not something steering more towards violence or extremism, that's super good too as well, you know, because that is still fulfilling that I want to be around people that mm -hmm. care about me, that like me to be around and all those different things. I feel like a lot of us need that, you know, right. and then I feel like I was listening to, like I always listen to Joe Rogan or whatever, but <laughs> He had this girl on his podcast. She was from North Korea, um, and she escaped from North Korea when she was 13 years old. Um, it's a very, like, awesome episode and very mm -hmm. crazy episode to listen to. Um, but she talked about how, like, her dad was um, put into, like, a prison camp Yeah. for her and mom escape, right? And she talked about one of the things that they would do to torture people was they'll put them alone. And like basically like solitary confinement, but it was like yeah. so, as like punishment, you know. And then she was talking about how they knew that people were oh, like so crazy without like, social interactions, just being stuck in one room by themselves, mm -hmm. you know, for so so long period of time. 
like they would tell them anything. So she was like saying that they couldn't tell their dad that her dad that she was about to escape her, her mom before mm-hmm. they escaped because if they did, they would like torture him in this way. And eventually he's going to say something because number right. one, he's hungry, he's isolated, he's alone. You know what I mean? And when you're hungry, you're isolated and you're alone, you're whatever you're somebody feeds into you it, and explode and cause you to do multiple different things. You know what I mean? Including like right on your family without even you being mm-hmm. consciously aware of doing that. You just right. want to be out of this situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, sometimes sure. people just want to be out of the torture of being alone. Mm-hmm. you know and right and that's why honestly I don't agree with people being in solitary confinement and like prisons and things like that there's there's so many negative things that come with that yeah if you were I know this is a loaded question too <laughs> what, oh boy. what are some of the aspects of like even the prison prison industrial system that you think should be modified and changed and what are those things that can actually that's not change a into question. I, I could not. sit on a podium and talk for hours about what needs to be changed it is a okay. disaster well tell us some um, of the things that should be changed so there are some changes that are that are happening, which are very good. You know, drug courts and um, diversion courts have become a thing, which is which is I think really a big. Well, what change. are diversion courts? You um, also have to break so, that down. So I don't know what that is at all. No, that's okay. Um, so it's basically um, if somebody gets like a like a minor drug charge or a DUI or something like that. Um, And not everybody qualifies for it, right? So there's different stipulations for how you would get into one of these programs. But Mm. if you're like a first offender and it's like a minor in possession or something like that, or a DUI, you know, like maybe first or second offense, um, if you qualify, you can get into this program Mm. with the diversion courts, which basically is um, you you still maybe have to like do um, like a like a couple weekends in jail or yeah. whatever you know you're still gonna have things that you have to do mm-hmm. probation community service fines blah 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 um, but you're you're really the whole idea is if you can successfully get through your probation and check off all the things that they require you to do it'll basically be like the charge never happened it'll drop off of your record. So for things like drug charges, mm-hmm. um, that's a really important thing because, you know, you, you try and even get, um, you know, student loan help or housing mm-hmm. if you're, you're lower income or something like that. Um, and it pop us on know, record. It, yeah, yeah. And it's like drug charges are one of the things that'll be automatic disqualifiers mm-hmm. and, and people that need the financial help the most are yeah. going to be likely to, you know, a higher likelihood to have something like that. So mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really good thing. Um, uh, what what we saw early on in like the 80s and 90s was was a, a massive spike in incarceration mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of different reasons that that would take a long time to unpack. But yeah. we saw this dramatic spike in incarceration rates, and at the same time, we saw the length of sentences that people got also dramatically increasing. And mm-hmm. so we saw this huge population increase and people staying in longer. And so the problem with that is if there aren't people coming out on the back end, it's just going to get more full and more full. Yeah, and more full. yeah. It's um, that so exactly. So there's issues, you know, there was, you know, especially in the early 2000s and stuff, mm. really bad issues in the 90s um, with overcrowding, mm. lacking resources and things like that. So now that we're kind of trickling back off, you know, we still have a pretty high population. I think the current incarcerated population is 1.7 million, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, so we're down from about 2.2 million mm -hmm. from previously. So it's slowly declining, but I really think um, people that get like drug charges and things like that, they, it does not need to be, unless you're like distributing drugs or something yeah. like that, or like a, a trafficker, yeah. um, you need to be going into some sort of social services program yeah. or rehabilitation program and not prison. Yeah. Um, I think that's just, that's, that's basic. And, and we see so many people in, in prison in jail, even, especially mm. with drug charges. And, the, and yeah. that's the thing, like with, with something like, you know, people just cycle in and out there yeah. there's, and because of the lack of resources, you know, everything's going towards law enforcement and security, even, in, even in corrections, you know, mm -hmm. everything's going towards new technology and monitoring and, and, different things like that. And, and there is a limited amount of resources going towards people to actually, you know, get educated, get mm -hmm. trade skills and things like that. And I think it's a really big miss yeah. that some people are like, they did the crime, do the time, lock them up and throw away the key, blah, blah, blah. Okay. That's fair. You can have that opinion all day long, but at the same time, 98% of those fucking people are going to be coming back into your community yeah. Doing the exact same, same thing. thing. Yeah. Exact same thing. So you're talking about wasted resources and economics mm. and and bringing disease and bringing drugs and stuff. Mm. You know, because because there's there's health issues, there's STDs, there's all sorts of issues that happen in prisons, and yeah, these people are coming back to communities. Yeah. And that's another thing, like like with the social support thing. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that support, you know, like what I was talking about with mass shooters, bring it down to a lower level. Talk about you know, the, the person engaging in property crimes or drug crimes or something like that, if they don't feel connected to their community and they're always labeled as yeah. a felon and an offender first. Yeah, they more so feel like going, an enemy to it. Yeah, exactly. They're never going to integrate back into the community and it's just going to continue causing problems. Yeah. And if you want to look at it from a very conservative point of view, that's a waste of fucking money. Yeah, that it is. That is not a good, like investment of your resources if yeah. you want to put it just very basically like that yeah i mean it's, it sounds like there is like even on about what we talked about before what helps a lot is like even having a, a communal perspective mm -hmm. on things in terms right. of how can we direct their progression back into being positively mm -hmm. involved in their community when they get back versus exactly. seeing their community as the enemy because of how the community are perceiving them you know what i mean exactly. and so it it's becomes more of a versus thing versus yeah and so like which i think is is very vital you know especially like if you're do you think that like there should be requirements when you're in prison or in jail uh, especially i would more so say prison because like based off of you being there a lot longer that you mm -hmm. should go through like some type of educational course or some type of like course where you have to learn like a skill or something like that so that they are basically steering you in the direction of getting like a job when you get out of out of prison yeah. they're steering you in the direction of being more positive production productive and having a, diff a different outlook on how to do things you know because like right. if i'm like in prison or whatever for like a crime or whatnot and i did out and i have no fucking way to be able to do a fucking job or whatever like it forces you to do the same things that you were doing before that got right. you in there you know what i mean no, that's exactly right. And they and there's been research that has shown that like employment, like lucrative employment is one of the main factors for people staying out of prison because it's not just enough to get a job. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, anybody can go get a job, 
but if you have to provide for your, you know, yourself and housing, and maybe you have a family and maybe you have, you know, a partner with kids or something like that, you know, that minimum wage job isn't going to cut it. Yeah. Honestly, the frustration and stress that kicks in from just trying to, you know, and on, and on top of just doing that, you're probably on parole or something like that, having to, you know, deal with a parole officer, probably house arrest or electronic monitoring and, um, going to counseling or anger management. And, you know, obviously these are things the person has to do because they did something to get there. Yeah. But at the same time, it just adds on to the kind of shit pile that they're already dealing with, you know, mm -hmm. and, and at the end of the day, that job paying what nine, 10 bucks an hour yeah. isn't going to cut it. They can go do yeah. something else. that's going to give them more money right now. Yeah. So, I think that's, I mean, that's one of the biggest things, like even me, like, uh, if I do it, if I, oh, um, you know, I'm not going to try to, oh, and do like interview for a job where I'm being like $10 an hour when, and that's right. it, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. then that means you have to work a shit ton of time, you right. know, and then you're, you're doing nothing but being at work. And then you probably feel like you're in prison or jelly in, you know, because right. your whole life right. is around making like, you know, pennies and nickels, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? versus right. actually be able to sustain yourself. Right, I try and look at it from like a like a masculine perspective too. Obviously I'm not a man, but mm -hmm. like if you just go back to like traditional ways of thinking and masculinity, mm -hmm. being a breadwinner, being a provider, feeling the satisfaction of being able to do that for yourself mm -hmm. and your family, whether that's a spouse or kids or just, you know, your parents even, um, it's probably like, in my opinion, very demasculinizing to not mm. be able to do that. It's almost like you feel neutered. And, yeah. and that's just, that's just kind of a perception that I've, I've gathered of, of, you know, other people coming out of prison. Yeah. But I really feel like, you know, in a very traditional sense, you just feel very castrated if you yeah. are able to be that provider. And, yeah. and so it kind of feeds into you know, having angry outbursts and, and violent behavior, or maybe abusing drugs or alcohol again, or something yeah. like that, because you just don't feel like yeah. you're, you're accomplishing anything. It's, it's yeah. just wall after wall after wall. Yeah. And it's a way to try to escape your, like, basically depression dealing with these situations. Yeah. You know, exactly. I think uh, it reminds me of something, I think it was Andrew Huberman was talking about in terms of like how um, using dopamine in order mm -hmm. to help stimulate your ability to do things throughout the day and be a more positive and productive but it's talking about in terms of like how like the stimulation of dopamine within the body like within the brain the reward system has gone down a lot for a lot of people mm -hmm. and that just because of the like the ability to believe that they can succeed within life whether that is right. providing whether that's like or even if you don't even have that option you know what i mean like, mm -hmm. I feel like one of the cool things about like competing, whether you win or lose, it still is something where it's like you're going out there and you're trying your hardest, you have something to compete against and you have something to like overcome, you know what I mean? Right. But then also having the ability to overcome those things. But if you like have a system or whatever, where it's like, it's very hard for you to overcome things and it constantly something knocking you down that dopamine level probably on an OLO, that testosterone mm -hmm. probably on an OLO, that depression yeah. is going to go up at the same time, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so you have so many different factors that's causing you to be able to steer back into like more of a negative direction versus more right. of a positive direction. Well, and you know? Exactly. And the opportunity to take the easy road is always going to be right there. 
You know, yeah. it's so easy to get your hands on alcohol or drugs or to go do something you shouldn't be doing. It's a lot mm-hmm. harder to keep trying to climb that fucking mountain, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it becomes one of those things where it's like your opportunity versus constraint. People people feel like there's the opportunities are so limited to them that that they turn to other things that are more easily and readily available, which is... yeah generally not going to be something that you want to be doing yeah hmm. i mean yeah. it almost even reminds me going back to like more of a uh like even when we're talking about the diet in terms of going back mm-hmm. to more like a traditional diet and everything like that and i don't mean like traditional diet as in the past hundred years or whatever right. that was you know a lot of people i researched and found out that was fucked up in terms of like <laughs> like people paying people to like make the uh what is it like the the what do you call it the food pyramid and the food mm-hmm. web and everything a particular oh, way yeah. in order to stimulate people to buy particular things like the whole right. big thing in terms of like fat versus like carbs and sugars and everything like that but even like in terms of going back to that like even like having more of a traditional like lifestyle like most of the time we spend is like inside you know mm-hmm. what i mean we're not out in the sun like there's no way and like there there's not that much traditional way in which we live nowadays you right. know which i feel like it causes so many different factors there's so many yeah. different ways we have to compete nowadays when it comes to living you know right. and thriving and surviving and then you know and it's so many stressors out there i just feel like mm-hmm. it, it burdens people that much more and there's right. people that, that much more in the net direction i remember they were talking about how it was this um like this company in japan they made a requirement for like at least once a week they took all their employees out to like a a, a forest you know That's nice. they had a walk the trails and everything like that and it automatically like it's helped their stress levels and everything yeah. like that go down being out in okay. nature so i feel like you know there should be like a drive going more towards that direction to help people too where it's not just how hey, you did a job and everything like that it's more involvement with being in your natural environment right there's a reason why it's a natural environment you know it's right. more healing you know versus constantly being away from the source of what we all come from you know? yeah i think like just having phones and the phone culture and the internet culture and social media is is just encouraging so many bad habits and and not doing things like that like i walk i walk down the street you know i walk my dog and there'll be other people and they're literally like this yeah and it's like you are literally outside like put it down for five freaking minutes yeah look around you i feel like so and so many people are just caught up with with being on their phones on all of these different apps and stuff like right then right then right there and talk about dopamine that's hitting your dopamine like so hard so hard so hard so when you don't have that instant gratification of a like or something exciting or a video you fucking crash yeah and it's, it's literally a, a, a new addiction it's a new yeah. addiction that that people have and yeah. like i've gotten to the point where i don't really post on social media much i like have my cameras blocked out i yeah. you know, try i i literally i am i am unworking myself in that way because yeah. i you know and honestly it's it's so refreshing like and mm-hmm. and that's the thing you know i i follow a lot of of UFC stuff and, and jujitsu and this and that and the other thing on, on different things. And it's like 
all it is is like either depressing mm -hmm. or stuff that it doesn't even you know it's not like it's it's obviously not you know real life if you yeah. will looking at people like standards of beauty and things like that yeah. or it's like ufc which used to be awesome now mm -hmm. is kind of like like Jerry Springer. Yeah. Like, what happened to the athleticism? This is Jerry yeah. Springer now. It's like, and it's you. even happening in the jujitsu community. Like, damn, what happened to sportsmanship? Y'all yeah. calm down. Yeah. Take a walk. I think something you said reminded me too of like not only Andrew Huberman, what he's talked about in terms of how like you're positive, like like your dopamine in terms of going up and down or whatever can very much be mm -hmm. like it's very much like uh, i don't know what, how you say it like yin yang so to put it like to say something that actually will like uh, i guess get out what i'm trying to like say but i can't really say it um is uh, tyson fury mm -hmm. you know like tyson fury talked about how his bit is high was when he won like the heavyweight title you know right. but then he fell into a very bad depression right afterwards you know right. And so it's crazy, like we we're we're doing something that stimulates our dopamine like receptors so much, you know, mm -hmm. in a negative way, but it's like stimulating it high so we feel good. Right. But like you said, it causes like so much of a crash, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And like oh, yeah. and I feel like it, it made us addicted to so many things, especially attention, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's like once we don't get that attention, you know what I mean? Like we might be feeling down and low or like worried and our anxiety goes, you know, up. We don't know where it's coming from, but it's coming from just the fact that we're not getting right. the same attention on the phone, which is artificial attention and not even real attention. You right. know what I mean? I think that's one of the issues too, is like exactly. when people rely. Yeah. Because you're you're relying too much on how you are on the phone versus how you are in person. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I say, if you're with somebody, they're not really that bit of a text or whatever. Right. You know, but you're constantly like, oh, well, they can be testing me right now. They can be talking to me like that. All the different yeah. things and if they don't you're like in your head is firing out of control what's like what's on? wrong what did i do are they still into me and it's like yeah. bro it's been like an hour yeah <laughs> chill the fuck like, out <laughs> i'm still here i can't tell you how many times i'd have to be like bro i'm, I'm fucking at work it's the middle of the day yeah. like, no, i'm not messaging you back right now <laughs> I'm, I'm doing something <laughs> i won't lie and say i've never done that before but i think as i I've learned that it's more so a me thing right. than the other person. And I learned too, that you also have to be good in yourself no matter what too. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is not testing, if there is an issue or whatever, it's gonna come to light anyway. So right. why stress yourself out, you know? And also yeah. why rely on your how your relationship is based off of a test versus how you are in person, you right. know? Cause like back in the day, they didn't have that, you know, at all, mm -hmm. you know? And you even have some situations where like, I know I have one friend and her dad lived in like another state than her mom, you know? And so he yeah. would call her like once a week and that was it. Dang. You know, until they yeah. actually moved to be with each other and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't like be paranoid throughout that whole time period or he would be cool and did his shit done. You know what right. I mean? So like either one or the other. And I feel like, that's the issue now is like we get so worried about what's going on on there versus just how to deal with people in person you know right yeah right. and focusing on yourself you know like taking that time and and like kind of working through your own things it's like they're doing something like you do something you yeah. know 
Yeah. Utilize it. Yeah. And then, like, there's so many people, too, that, like, like to post their dumb, like, opinions online, too. Yeah. But when you talk to them in person, they're a lot more, like, intimate with it. Or, like, reserved. Right, right. Well, that's, that's the thing about, on, like, the internet and things like that. Like, people... People are like, oh, who said it? It's like a boxer, like, oh, who was it? Mike Tyson maybe said like, you know, people are way too comfortable, like saying a bunch of shit and not getting punched for it or something like yeah. that. It's so true. It's like, yeah. you, you can talk this huge ass game, but in person, you're a totally different, different person. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I think that was one of the most important things my dad ever taught me was knowing that there's constant for your actions no matter what right. you know and then being accountable too you know mm -hmm. and so like me I'm always like going back to even what Jordan Peterson said in terms of what's your sacrifice or whatever like right. what am I sacrificing in consequences for what I'm trying to do you know mm -hmm. you always have to factor those things in and think beforehand and have the forethought to think beforehand right. too one of the biggest things that I had the forethought like I try to forth like think beforehand was my perspective on what I want to do as like a young adult, you know? Okay. Because like, I felt like there was so much in terms of like the society creating clones of, oh, hey, you're a young adult. You're supposed to want to go out and party and do this that, and the other and right. like make their mistakes <laughs> now, you know? <laughs> yeah. but I'm like, why do I fucking need to do that? You know, unless like I had a, a time period where right. it was like depression driven in terms of like drinking, right. whatever, but I try to steer that down, but it's like, I don't want to ever do something because it's like, this is what you're supposed to do at an age. Yeah, right. I want to more so do something because I feel like it's smart and productive for me in the long term. That doesn't mean I'm not mm -hmm. chill at all. Like I like to have fun, but it's like the proper type of fun, you know? It's a smart fun, right. you know? But I'm kind of like... No, that's, that's definitely true. Yeah, I'm a homebody anyway, so I'm kind of lame. Right. <laughs> I don't like going out. <laughs> That's how I've become. Like I used to be one of those people out like every single weekend yeah. being a dumbass, you know, yeah. like my best, my best life. And <laughs> and I'm just like, man, looking back on it, I'm like, how much fucking time did I waste? Yeah. Just doing nothing, right? Yeah. Like, man, I could have been like, I don't know, way ahead of the curve at this point. Yeah. But you know, it's all part of development. You know, we go, we we take our paths. Yeah. It is what it is. Actually, think it's interesting. I forget which country it is, but they're like a big like Buddhist country, and mm -hmm. they actually it's like one of the requirements for people is to think about their death every day. You know, I feel like now yeah. a lot of people they like they steer away from thinking about that or whatever because they're trying to live their life and they don't want to think about death. And death is almost like taboo and a bad thing. But right. it's like they were saying that they're actually statistically some of the happiest people in the world mm -hmm. because they actively think about death. Cause they're they're actively always thinking what can they do for right. when they die they feel happy and satisfied right. with their life because death right. is a reality it could happen at any point you're gonna yeah. live your life like every day is meaningful and every day every moment and honestly like it's it's crazy to think like i i've really gone down that road you know like so it was june of last year 2020 when i started having the really bad medical problems mm -hmm. like i my breathing was fucked up. Um, my like I couldn't swallow properly. You know, yeah. there was a lot of other things going on. Come to find out, I was like basically like my body was going into like paralysis mode. I was like this close to being in a wheelchair, right? Yeah. So it was like I and I couldn't figure out what was going on, and so I was I was dealing with all of these things, and I would go to bed every night wondering, am I going to wake up the next day? Yeah. So it was like constant this constant fear of like, oh my god, like 
this could be it, you know? Yeah. And, and I started doing all these meditations, like, and one of them was like, like literally like meditation on death where you do this like thing where you like block out your senses. And it's like this, this, this meditation on death protocol. Mm -hmm. And I would do it every single day for, yeah. for, for a while. And yeah. it was, it was probably one of the most beneficial things I've ever yeah. done because Probably by helped. the time I got yeah. to the point of like getting the MRIs done mm -hmm. and like, you know, figuring out what the fuck was wrong with me, mm -hmm. like eight, nine months have gone by of doing this and just living in constant fear. But by the end of it, I had accepted my yeah. death. Yeah. And that was probably one of the biggest mental changes that I've ever had in my entire yeah. life was just that acceptance of it. And it's, yeah. it's really just shifted everything that I've done since then. And then, you know, coming out on the other side and feeling better than I ever have in my entire life, yeah. you know, and starting to rebuild, it's, it's yeah. like the craziest like mental shift I've ever had, but it's that yeah. constant. And, and that's, and that's where I'm at now. And then my point is like, I've gotten to this, this state where I think about death so much and, yeah. and just the, the gratitude that I feel to even have every single day that I'm like, yeah. I want to just like, I mean, it sounds crazy. I just want to like fucking hug life, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. every day. It's like I'm fucking high yeah. basically. I'm like, yeah, everything is I'm, good, you know, yeah. but it's, it's just really acknowledging just the, yeah. the mortality that we have. Yeah. It, it changes the game and acceptance of it. Yeah, I agree with you. I've had like similar in terms of like when you talk about like anxiety going to sleep, but mine mm -hmm. is stimulated from a different thing. So one time when I went on that trip to Africa, we were on the bus and I went to, I, I fell asleep on the bus mm -hmm. and I woke up out of my body, you know? <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, it was like one of the most, it was, it scared the shit out of me. Cause like, I literally was hovering over my body and this was not <laughs> a dream. I woke up out of the dream and I was hovering over my body and I was looking down at my body and I was like, what the fuck, fuck? <laughs> I was like, That's did I crazy. just die? Right. And so I was freaking out, trying to pull myself back to my body. You know what I mean? Mm. But that it created kind of almost like this, like paranoia that comes and goes when it comes to when I go to sleep. Because like, I'm like, oh, hey, there might be a transition where I'm going to sleep and I might pop the fuck out. And right. what if I can't go back in this time, you know? Yeah. And so like, I've had to like, and then it, I started having problems sleeping because like, because of that, you know, like experiencing that or like experiencing that before I even go to sleep, like popping out mm -hmm. or whatever. And so I kind of like had to do the same thing as just being like comfortable, right? you know, with not waking up. Right. And right. being it's, fine it's with that, you know? that. Yeah. Very and it, I, and what helped me a lot too, and sometimes I, because uh, even Joe talked about like, when you have like a trip, like a mushroom trip or whatever, sometimes you have to remind yourself of the trip later on, you know, <laughs> because you're, you, they teach you stuff and then you have to remember the lesson, you know, mm -hmm. that you went on through. So one time my anxiety flared up while like we went all on a, like a river trip, right? And I took mm -hmm. some and my, I was like so fearful because of that whole depth experience that I was right. going to die because, you know, I've always had the deep seated fear, like water too. And then it's like water and I'm tripping. I'm like, holy fuck, what if <laughs> I do something stupid? And so I started drowning in my own consciousness over and over again. And so yeah. it was like, I was on the surface. It was almost like if you're underwater and you can't get to the surface to float, you're just hovering underwater. 
and you can't get up there. And so then I would like drop down and back up over and over. And then John was like, yo, dude, just fucking chill out. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Take a moment. So like when um when I was told to chill and like they was just laughing, like, yo, dude, you're like, you're still here, you know, then this sensation came over me where I didn't feel my body anymore. And yeah. then I was empty. But then I felt like a baby and I felt like a teenager and I felt like an adult. And then I felt like an old person. And then oh, I was in the grave, but everything felt the same. And I mm -hmm. felt calm with it because it was just like, the it was a voice came to me. It was like, life is like the river. It just keeps flowing. Right. And you kind of have to just allow the flow to happen and be good with the flow, you know? Because mm -hmm. if you're if you're good with the flow and, you, and like when you pass on, you become what you are in terms of the energy. Like if you have that positive and productive energy, it helps continue that. But right. then what if we have a, like a bunch of anxiety, fear, depression, all those different things when we pass on, you know, that's almost like that's what we embody. So do we transition to into that too as an entity? You know what I mean? So right. I feel like that's one of the reason why like, that death of question is like, like having death on your mind because it's like, do you want to die anxiety, fear, depression? And then that's your last memory. So it's like you transition into that or do you want to transition to like happiness, peace, right. tranquility, all those different things. Then that afterwards, you know, and that's like the true heaven, you know, so to speak, mm -hmm. you know, versus the right. other side, you know, because I feel like we're more so like, like beings in terms of transition between energy versus anything else, you know? And then you have to deal with yeah, the same no, thing in terms of the person having to pull out all that depression. Maybe you have to pull all that out afterwards too, if that's what you're clogged up with. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Like Pretty I like the uh, the idea of like energy, um, that type of thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You got me thinking about like something else though. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like just like removing removing like um you know having those anxieties and depressions and things mm -hmm. like that but but removing them in your daily life you know because yeah. so many people go through life with anxiety and depression from different experiences and traumas and things like that and it's like you know how do you how do you unstick those from yourself and honestly i i feel like going through something incredibly difficult or hard or challenging or, mm. or whatever is, is the best remedy to those problems. You know, mm. and it's like, it really just puts things into perspective. It's like, especially with something like depression, I, I battled with depression for a very, very long time. Mm. And it wasn't until I went through something purely and genuinely horrible and traumatic that I was able to really hit rock bottom and and really just build to something completely different and better leaving it all completely behind it's almost yeah. like a rebirth you know yeah. in that sense and i and i think you know it's 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 hard and it's a lot of work but you know i think it's honestly i wouldn't i wouldn't change it i wouldn't even change the bad experience yeah. you know for where i am today and yeah. i think i think that's a big miss for people because they don't want to do the hard work to remove those things from themselves yeah um, because it's scary it's uncomfortable nobody likes yeah. that nobody wants to go through shit so what you said reminds me of a quote um an elder said to me when i was on like a rice pasture retreat he said you cannot have order without chaos because then mm -hmm. there's going to be no growth you know right that's like, so true so true 
like you need that chaos and that doesn't mean that your life has to be like shitty all the time mm-hmm. in order for you to experience growth but challenge you know right. you have to embrace challenge you know it mm-hmm. makes life more interesting but then it's also it's not necessarily it's all about perspective do you see it as a challenge or do you see it as a learning you know exactly. you either learn and grow or you don't you know what i mean right. And it reminds me of even like uh, Ifalo do, and it talks about how like if you don't learn your lesson from something, that shit would pop up in your life it. again, yep. and it's gonna repeat, and that's like you hitting you on the head. Yep. That's your karma. You know? You're gonna relive it and relive yeah. it until you get that lesson. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. I feel like that happened to me. Like something was just like with a hammer, like bashing me in the head for so long, and I finally yeah. woke up. I was like, oh, yeah. duh. <laughs> now i get it <laughs> i felt that way too i think one of the biggest things is just for me was i've always come into a situation where i have to deal with like trust and stuff like that mm-hmm. doing Hitler types of people you know yeah and i think one of the biggest things for me wasn't necessarily to like reopen my, the door in, within my head of trust mm-hmm. you know i feel like when trust is introduced you know a lot more you live a lot more chill you know yeah, versus the opposite yeah. and i feel like that's the other thing in terms of even dealing with the internet and stuff like that there's so many mm-hmm. avenues in which to worry about that clause your brain that might cause you to distrust when you don't need right. to distrust you know what i mean right. exactly yeah like i mean i'm even guilty of that like like um i don't know if i'm if i'm interested in somebody or something and like they just like I see them liking certain things yeah. and I'm like, mm. yeah. it's like, I don't know how I feel about that. So you gotta just, but it's like, it's just a fucking like button. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, what is that? So yeah, it's, it definitely like the trust thing is definitely yeah. an interesting thing. It's like, and that's, that's another reason why I'm, I'm really trying to just kind of declutter all of this crap from my yeah. life. Because it, all it does is bring like, stress and suffering and anxiety and it's like but why because nothing's really wrong yeah nothing's yeah. actually wrong <laughs> yeah yeah so, yeah it's like the that movie i i quote a lot of things that movie uh 1300 hours in benghazi okay one of the guys in the movie he taught he said he was holding a book and it said that all the heavens all the hells are within you oh it really is yeah. you know a lot mm-hmm. of like what causes like you to be able to fist anything is within your body and right. within your brain, you know. And so your world, you can be like in shit or whatever, but your world can be totally fine if your ma- your brain space right. is fine, you know. But well, we're and that's, coming- and that's like there's um like yoga and prisons and things like that. Like that's one thing that I'm I'm a very big supporter For, of. Yeah. Yoga and jail and prison because you control your mind. You have freedom Mm -hmm. in your own mind, even though you're locked inside something. And that's so important. You can you can take that anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. We'll have to wrap up the recording. I think we hit like an hour and thirty minutes or something. (laughs) Yeah. that how it happens it's like it starts off and then all of a sudden like especially when you hit that like conversation stride you know and then time starts yeah. to like narrow and then you're like oh snap we already hit it <laughs> but uh, right this, it's been a minute yeah <laughs> but we're on the end it right here uh we're actually uh i'm gonna press out the recording real quick bye okay. y'all